Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everyone, Steven here. As you can probably tell, my voice hasn't fully recovered yet. Uh, This week I had hoped to release a new episode, but it's been too much strain to record with my voice like this. And rather than risk making it worse, I've decided instead to publicly release a previously recorded Patreon-exclusive episode. So, I apologize about the delay, but my voice has just been recovering slowly. Health-wise, I'm fine, but my voice is taking a long time. My doctor recommended fluids and to use my voice as little as I need to, so I'm going to go with that for now. Uh, However, no matter what, next week I'll be dropping a new episode, so I hope my voice bounces back by then. I'm hoping over this weekend it'll recover more, and it has improved even if you can't really tell. So, I apologize again, but there's not much I can do about it. I hope you'll enjoy this episode. I had a good time writing it, and it blends two of my favorite subjects together poetry, and the unknown. So thanks for listening. We'll be back to the normal schedule next week, God willing. Also, uh, I have a whole new series of exclusive Patreon bonus episodes that'll be coming out soon. The old format was a little too overwhelming, so I've changed things up a bit, and you'll see what I'm talking about in the coming weeks. So anyway, thank you again for listening, and I hope you'll enjoy this episode. The child was given the name Edgar, and he would grow up to lead a life as dramatic and tragic as any stage play either of his parents had ever performed. Poe's death may be one of the most bizarre things about his life. He doesn't just belong to Baltimore, Philadelphia, New York. He really belongs to the world. The world is the one that's kept him alive. He's somebody that's sort of unique in his position as being an international writer. He left Virginia on his way to New York, disappeared. A week later, he was found on the streets of Baltimore. We don't have a single piece of information about what he was doing. It's a name that everyone knows, one that conjures up fear, beauty, and devastating tragedy. Writer and poet, master of his skill, and dominant figure of his field. And by now, if you don't know, This is the episode of Edgar Allan Poe. His life was marked by dark pains and loss. He was followed by death, and the ones he loved would leave too soon, with Poe being left behind in that darkness and gloom. But as his stories and poems told tales of fear, death, and the ethereal, the way his own life ended was so curious, 
It's almost as if his end was one of his own works. A story so strange, it could only have been conjured by the master of the mysterious. This is Trace Evidence, bonus Patreon episode number three, The Mysterious Death of Edgar Allan Poe. Welcome to the third bonus episode of Trace Evidence. In this episode, we'll examine the mysterious death of Edgar Allan Poe. Without further ado, this is the mysterious death of Edgar Allan Poe. Thy soul shall find itself alone mid dark thoughts of the gray tombstone, not one of all the crowd to pry into thine hour of secrecy. Be silent in that solitude which is not loneliness, for then the spirits of the dead who stood in life before thee are again in death around thee, and their will shall then overshadow thee. Be still. For the night, though clear, shall frown, and the stars shall not look down. From their high thrones in the heaven, with light like hope to mortals given, but their red orbs without beam to thy weariness shall seem as a burning and a fever which would cling to thee forever. Now are thoughts that shalt not banish, now are visions ne'er to vanish, from thy spirit shall they pass no more like dewdrop from the grass. The breeze, the breath of God, is stilled, and the mist upon the hill shadowy shadowy yet unbroken is a symbol and a token how it hangs upon the trees a mystery of mysteries spirits of the dead by edgar Allan poe 1829 what can be said about edgar Allan poe which hasn't been said a million times from the dark persona he bears to the quality of his rhymes one of the greatest american poets to live one of the greatest poets in history to give such works of beauty and fear. I don't find it necessary to give you a ton of history on Poe. I, generally speaking, think most people know all about the poet Poe. Though whether or not they truly know his history is another story entirely. He lived a life of tragedy, of pain and loss and melancholy. Edgar Poe came to be in the cold of mid-January on the 19th of the winter month in the year 1809. A year later, his father, David Poe, left the family far behind, and his mother, Elizabeth Hopkins Poe, a year after that, passed after a painful battle with tuberculosis. A child now without a home, Edgar was taken in by the Allen family, and so he was raised as a foster son, though never adopted legally. Allen gave a change of scenery from the cold of Boston to the warmth of Richmond before the family set a sail to the gray shores of the UK, where Poe would study studiously in being sent to a boarding school in Chelsea. Life was hard for Edgar. His foster father was a drinker, and oftentimes he took out his anger on his foster son before he sent the burgeoning poet to Bransby's Manor House School just outside of London. The Allens returned to Richmond in the autumn of 1820, and Edgar's sights would be set on the Youth Honor Guard, where he would serve as lieutenant during a visit from the Marquis de Lafayette. In 1825, Poe's adoptive father's uncle died, and the family received a large estate, at the time valued at $750,000, which today would translate into $17 million. 
Poe met and fell in love with a young woman named Sarah, then enrolled in college at the University of Virginia, where he studied language, both contemporary and ancient, and much of his time was spent writing and exploring the written word of days of old and the stories therein told. Poe found himself on the wrong side of his school, gambling and accruing debt, much to his adoptive father's chagrin, and only months before he left, his correspondence with Sarah fell apart, and Poe experienced his first loss of love and the pain of his first broken heart. Poe complained that Alan had sent him off without the funds to pay for books, housing, and clothes, but when Alan sent him more money, somehow, Poe's debts would only grow. After a year of study at university, Edgar felt it wasn't for him, but believing that Alan was angry and didn't want his return, Poe set his gaze to the north and made his way to his true home, and in 1827, Edgar rode up into Boston, where he achieved his first job as a clerk and later a writer for a paper. However, this was not to be, and Edgar seeking greater station. He was poor and without support, so the future writer thought he would leave Boston in May, enlisting as a private in the United States Army under a fake name, that of Edgar A. Perry, while also lying about his age, a decision made somewhere between Boston and the Army, claiming to be 22 when really he was only 18. Despite his enlistment, Poe was still writing, and the same year he joined the Army, he began publishing his first book, though he did not use his legal name, instead choosing the pseudonym of A. Bostonian. The book was somewhat of a failure, unpopular and, for the most part, discarded and ignored, but Poe was focused and determined to be a great writer who would not be denied through the poetry he supplied. The army wasn't exactly a place to find riches and estates. Instead, Poe was paid a paltry sum of $5 per month before he was shipped out, his drive and his duty aligned, leaving Boston in the past for Charleston, South Carolina. In Charleston, Poe was stationed at Fort Moultrie, located on Sullivan Island, he was harbored there by ship, the Waltham, on November 8th of 1827. Here, Poe was promoted, doubling his pay, but it wasn't his military career that would change his life, but the day he set his eyes upon a woman, the aptly named Annabel Lee, who would later inspire a poem about a lover locked in a sepulcher by the sea. Annabel's father disapproved of Poe, then known as Perry, and did his best to break them apart, but each was devoted to the other's heart. So they met clandestinely, where they shared their love and privacy, until one day Annabelle's father spoke to Poe's commanding officer and demanded that he be kept within the fort, not allowed to sail ashore and spend more time with his daughter. However, the two lovers found their way, until Annabelle's father caught them secreted away, and he locked his daughter in her room, barring her from her love, and Poe himself was sent away back to Virginia, a nightmare all its own. Poe and Annabelle were so heartbroken to be separated, Poe did not want to leave her, but the pain in Edgar's life would only grow when he learned his beloved Annabelle had died of yellow fever. In desperation and depression, Poe returned quickly to Charleston, but Annabelle's father still did not approve of the sailor's love for his daughter, and so he had the family plot dug up and moved around to hide his daughter from the writer. He even chose not to inscribe her tombstone with her name, 
And while Poe spent hours at the plot, the exact location of her grave was never actually found. And even now, in our modern time, the final resting place of Annabelle Lee is unknown and locked away in secrecy. However, some would argue this was merely myth, and that Poe may have been inspired only by the tragedy, and his famous poem, Annabelle Lee, may have been instead about his future wife and the loss and pain of her death. Either way, it's an interesting mystery to explore, yet another mystery in a life so strange and full of rumor, but Poe's time in the South may have only been a chance of fate, completely unrelated to the death of this alleged Annabelle Lee, who some say, to this day, continues to haunt the Unitarian Cemetery. Poe had enlisted to serve for five years, but he decided to seek an early release. He confessed his true identity to his commanding officer, Lieutenant Howard, who agreed to set Poe free if only he reconciled with Allen. Allen's wife, Frances, passed away in February of 1829, and Poe returned just the day after she was buried, so perhaps Allen was changed by grief and loss, and he gave his son another chance to see if things would work sending him up north where he would attend the military academy in West Point, New York. Before he went to the academy, Poe would head to Baltimore where he lived with his aunt, Maria Clem, and perhaps more importantly, his cousin, Virginia Eliza. But his relationship with his foster father only worsened over time, and while he attended West Point, Allen remarried, and after much arguing and years of discord, Allen finally disowned his son and their relationship was forever severed. Deciding yet again that West Point was not for him, Poe devised a plan to get expelled, so he failed to fulfill his duties, ignoring classes, church, and formations, which resulted in a court-martial and his expulsion. Poe released another book, which received about as much attention as his first, and after yet another letdown, he returned to Baltimore but the tragedy which seemed to follow him joined him for that journey, and in 1831, his older brother Henry lost his battle with health and alcohol, and just six months after Poe returned, his brother Henry was interred. Whether galvanized by the loss or just his frustration with life, Poe decided it was time to dedicate more energy to his short stories and his poetry, and while times were hard and he struggled to stay afloat, he became one of the first Americans to make his living through only his writing. There were a lot of problems in the literary world at the time. There were no international copyright laws, and so many papers published his work without proper attribution, something I know far too much about. Flowers know the truth of that. So Poe found himself often begging for money, humiliated and embarrassed by his insolvency. Poe stepped back from poetry and focused more on prose. This seemed to bring him more attention. Some of his works were published in a Philadelphia periodical. And then in 1833, he won a prestigious award for a story, MS in a Bottle. It was a horror story, akin to others he would eventually write. And while the award gave some assistance, the $50 prize it ensured made more of a difference than the publication itself, in a manner of speaking. As the fame he received for the story opened the eyes of John P. Kennedy, who hired on the writer, though just weeks later he'd be fired for drinking while at work. Ashamed, 
Poe returned to Baltimore where he kindled a relationship. He applied for a license to marry his first cousin, Virginia, said to be 13 while Poe himself was 26. Together, they returned to Richmond after Edgar convinced Kennedy to give him another try. In 1836, Virginia and Edgar were married in a Presbyterian ceremony. A witness lied on behalf of Poe's wife-to-be, saying Virginia was 21 and not a teen, and so the two were bound in holy matrimony. However, once again, Poe would experience the darkness and pain of loss and grief that seemed to follow him wherever he might be. The happiest day, the happiest hour, my seared and blighted heart hath known, the highest hope of pride and power, I feel, hath flown. O power, said I, yes, such I ween, but they have vanished long, alas, the visions of my youth have been, but let them pass. And pride, what have I now with thee? Another brow may even inherit the venom thou hast poured on me, be still my spirit. The happiest day, the happiest hour, mine eyes shall ever see, have ever seen. The brightest glance of pride and power, I feel, have been. But were that hope of pride and power now offered with the pain even then I felt, that brightest hour I would not live again. For on its wing was dark alloy, and as it fluttered and fell, an essence powerful to destroy a soul that knew it well. The Happiest Day by Edgar Allan Poe, 1827 Around this time, Poe was working for The Messenger as a writer and critic. It was during his time there that he earned a reputation as a noteworthy critic with harsh and strong views while continuing to publish his own work within the pages. Poe was beginning to be recognized for his writing and his reviews. In 1840, at the age of 31, he announced his plans to start his own periodical, of sorts, but it wouldn't see the light of day until it was published posthumously, and he turned his eye to politics, looking for a government appointment from President Tyler, but when it came time to meet and discuss, Poe just didn't show up, and while he claimed to be ill, it was believed he was likely too drunk to come and speak about this appointment that he would seek. In 1842, Virginia fell ill, Tuberculosis reared its head, and in just a few years, she would be dead, after the couple moved to a cottage in New York, where Poe began accusing other writers of plagiarism, including Longfellow, and this caused Edgar to avoid other writers. In 1845, Poe produced a work that is still admired, his powerful poem, The Raven, which brought him much fame and praise, which remains still far beyond the end of his days as a staple taught in schools around the world. Tragedy struck yet again in 1847, when Poe's beloved Virginia passed away at 24. Poe was crushed and lost. Edgar drank even more until he found himself returning to Richmond once more, where he reconnected with Sarah, his former lover. Sarah and Edgar were engaged, rekindling their old flame, but widowed by the losses of both their spouses, before their nuptials could take place, Poe would die under a shroud of mystery which endures today, examined time and time again with different theories and arguments, casting Poe as either a man who drank himself into a stupor, possibly mixed with opium, or a man who was attacked by one of many enemies he had made, 
back during his critiquing days. A rainstorm passed over Baltimore on October 3, 1849, but Joseph Walker went out in spite of the torrent, making his way to Gunner's Hall that stormy election day. As Walker walked down the street at a rapid pace, he found a man lying at his feet in a gutter outside the hall. At first, Walker thought the man had suffered a fall, but he quickly learned something more serious had taken place. The man was delirious, distressed, dressed in rags, semi-conscious, but incapable of moving. It was to Walker's surprise that before his eyes he found the famous writer, Edgar Allan Poe. When Walker inquired Poe about anyone he might know in the city of Baltimore, with a gasp, Poe gave him the name Joseph Snodgrass, an editor with medical training. Walker penned a letter, hoping Snodgrass could help Poe get better, and the note he wrote was as follows. Quote, Dear Sir, there is a gentleman rather worse for the wear at Ryan's Fourth Ward Poles who goes under the name of Edgar A. Poe and who appears in great distress, and he says he is an acquaintance with you. He is in need of immediate assistance. Yours in haste, Jose W. Walker to Dr. J.E. Snodgrass. End quote. However, Poe would never recover, and four days later, the seventh day of October, he passed away at approximately 5 a.m. According to those in his presence that day, he gathered his strength and in a begging call uttered his final words, quote, Lord, help my poor soul, end quote. While Poe's death was a terrible loss for the literary world as a whole, the mystery endures not for his final words, but the days leading up to his passing. How does a man of such repute find himself lying in a gutter, not only out of his mind, but dressed in someone else's clothes? And these are only some of the questions historians and writers have been asking. To set the scene, we have to travel back to the week before Poe was found lying in the street. There are many details lost now to time, but what we do know makes the entire situation only the more confusing, mysterious, and enticing. Lo, death has reared himself a throne in a strange city lying alone, far down within the dim west, where the good and the bad and the worst and the best have gone to their eternal rest. There shrines and palaces and towers, time-eaten towers that tremble not, resemble nothing that is ours, around by lifting winds forgot, Resignedly beneath the sky the melancholy waters lie. No rays from the holy heaven come down on the long night time of that town, but light from out the lurid sea streams up in the turret silently, gleams up the pinnacles far and free, up domes, up spires, up kingly halls, up fanes, up Babylon-like walls, up shadowy long-forgotten bowers of sculpted ivy and stone flowers, up many and many a marvelous shrine, whose wreathed friezes intertwine, the viol, the violet, and the vine. Resigned beneath the sky, the melancholy waters lie, so blend the turrets and shadows there, that all seem pendulous in air, while from a proud tower in the town, death looks gigantically down. There open fanes and gaping graves yawn level with the luminous waves, but not the riches there that lie in each idol's diamond eye, not the gaily jeweled dead tempt the waters from their bed, 
For no ripples curl, alas, along the wilderness of glass. No swelling tell that winds may be upon some far-off happier sea. No heavings hint that winds have been on seas less hideously serene. But lo, a stir is in the air, the wave. There is a movement there. As if the towers had thrust aside and slightly sinking the dull tide, as if their tops had feebly given a void within the filmy heaven. The waves have now a redder glow, the hours are breathing faint and low, and when amid no earthly moans, down, down that tower shall settle hence, hell rising from a thousand thrones shall do it reverence. The City and the Sea by Edgar Allan Poe, 1831 September 27th, Edgar made a trip, leaving Richmond bound for Philadelphia. He'd agreed to edit a collection of poetry for another writer. Poe never arrived in Philly, nor did he return to New York, where he had been staying in the very cottage where his beloved Virginia had died. Poe took a boat from Richmond to Baltimore, arriving on September 28th. However, what Poe was up to, where he went, and who he saw remains unknown, and perhaps is a large part at the heart of this mystery. After Poe's death, his Baltimore-based cousin, Nielsen Poe, wrote a note to Sarah, the woman set to be Poe's wife, about the lack of details surrounding the final weeks of Edgar's life. In the note, Nielsen wrote, quote, Where he spent the time he was here or under what circumstances I have been unable to ascertain. End quote. According to Bishop Fitzgerald, Poe had nearly $1,500 on him, the equivalent of $47,000 today, but when he was found, there was not a dollar around, so where could his money have gone? The story is complicated further by Thomas Lane, who recalled Poe actually arriving in Philadelphia, but it was his belief that perhaps while drunk or suffering a mental health issue, Poe may have taken a train heading the wrong way, bringing him to Baltimore instead of New York. Another man, Dr. Joseph Moran, had a different account of the trip, believing that Poe had continued to go arriving in Philadelphia to see some friends, but in his story, it was bad weather that redirected his travels. Due to a letter written by Poe, we know of his plans to return to New York. On September 28th, he penned a letter home, but bizarrely, both requested that when Sarah wrote back, she should address it to E.S.T. Gray Esquire and not sign her name. In the same letter that Edgar had sent her, he requested to send for her upon his return to New York for reasons unknown. The letter has shown that Poe did not want to return to Fordham. The next confirmed sighting of Poe was on the 3rd of October, the day Walker found him in the gutter. Dr. Moran was the doctor who received Poe in the hospital. Moran tried to question the far-from-lucid Poe about where he had been, the nature of his condition, but reportedly Poe's answers were incoherent. Yet, another strange detail comes during the days Poe lingered in the hospital, creeping slowly towards death. It's been said by Moran and others that Poe kept calling out the name Reynolds, but no one's ever deciphered just who Poe was addressing, though some believe that this was misheard and Poe may have been shouting Herring, the last name of his uncle Henry. Then there was Poe's clothes, which seemed out of character for the famed writer. 
Poe was known to wear a suit of black wool, but when he was found instead, he wore a cheap suit and a straw hat on his head. These items were not recognized by any of Poe's friends. J.E. Snodgrass gave a much more detailed description, describing his clothes as, quote, a rusty, almost brimless, tattered, and ribbonless palm leaf hat. His clothing consisted of a sack coat of thin and sleazy black alpaca, ripped more or less at several of its seams and faded and soiled, and pants of a steel-mixed pattern of casonite, half-worn and badly fitting, if they could be said to fit at all. He wore neither vest nor neckcloth, while the bosom of his shirt was both crumpled and badly soiled. On his feet were boots of coarse material, and giving no sign of having been blackened for a long time, if at all. End quote. Yet another twist to the story comes when Moran spoke to George Rollins, the conductor of the train Poe had rode in on. In Rollins' account, as Poe left the rail, he saw two identified men that he couldn't recognize, but they appeared to be trailing Poe. The identities of these men, if indeed they existed and rode on that train, has never been ascertained. A key was allegedly found on Poe's person at the time he was taken to the hospital, and the key belonged to Poe's trunk. But it's unsure if this is all speculation, as Sarah may have possessed her own copy, and so whether or not Poe was carrying it also remains unknown. There's only one mention at the time of Poe's cause of death, and this appeared to be in the Baltimore Clipper, saying that the writer had passed due to congestion of the brain, though on what that was based or who made that ruling is also unknown. At the time, it was not required to issue a death certificate, and so there's really no way to truly know exactly what took Poe's life. Strangely, there is a letter from Moran to Sarah in which he refers to Poe's cause of death as though Sarah may have known saying, quote, presuming you are already aware of the malady of which Mr. Poe died, end quote. This all becomes more interesting with an account that Poe had been ill before his trip. Allegedly, Sarah, concerned for her fiancé, told him to go visit a doctor. Poe went to see John Carter, who advised him to stay, not to travel, and to relax in Richmond for a few days, but for reasons unknown, perhaps eager to make money from editing poetry, Poe went on his trip anyway. Now, it's interesting to note that where Poe was found delirious was a location where people could vote. At the time, without computers and real ways to verify legitimate votes, there was a practice known as cooping. Cooping entailed voters being drugged or drunk and dragged around town to vote repeatedly for the politicians the Cooper desired. It's certainly possible Poe, drugged and delirious as a result, may have stumbled around with people in town ignoring and treating him as a drunk, when in reality he may have been suffering a bad reaction to whatever was used to make him compliant. So far, we have several possibilities. Poe may have been drunk, certainly he had a reputation for his love of the bottle, or maybe two men followed him from the train and throttled the writer for reasons unknown, Still, further, there is a consideration that Poe may have been drugged and forced into places where he voted, then dumped on the street when the polling was closed. However, 
We haven't yet quite scratched the surface of the theories, and one is related to Poe's time as a critic. An interesting thing to note is that Poe's obituary was wrote by a man who had a great deal of animus for Poe in life. Rufus Vilmot Griswold created an obituary filled with lies, accusation, and libel so powerful and undeniable that Griswold elected to use a pseudonym to conceal his true identity, though throughout history it's become clear that Griswold had hoped to tarnish the name of his rival to a point that it would become irredeemable. In part, the obituary, as written by Griswold under the pseudonym Ludwig, reads, quote, Edgar Allan Poe is dead. He died in Baltimore the day before yesterday. This announcement will startle many, but few will be grieved by it. End quote. So, who was this man Griswold and why did he hate Poe? Unlike so much of this case, that's an answer we actually know. Griswold and Poe met eight years before Poe would arrive at death's door, and while both carried an air of friendship, each had a distaste and suspicion for the other. Griswold thought of himself as superior to Poe in all facets, from his poor southern upbringing to his work which was subpar in his opinion, but for Poe things began with less animosity, the poet viewing Griswold as less of a rival, a talented writer, and someone who Poe gifted with generosity. Griswold had been planning to publish an anthology of what he considered to be the best poets in America and in so doing, he offered cash to Poe in exchange for a kind review. Poe took it easy, and while his review wasn't exactly full of praise, he left out a number of problems he easily could have raised. However, Poe later published a much more biting review, one published under an assumed name, and in this critique, Poe shredded the anthology, writing in part specifically about Griswold himself. Poe's words turned out to be prophetic, as he wrote, quote, What will be his fate, forgotten save only by those whom he has injured and insulted? He will sink into oblivion without leaving a landmark to tell that he once existed, or, if he is spoken of hereafter, he will be quoted as the unfaithful servant who abused his trust. End quote. The relationship between Poe and Griswold deteriorated over time, and while both tried to mend fences, they seemed to only exist in counterbalance to one another. From their literary works to their love lives, there always seemed to be an overlap, driving each to treat the other vicious and crudely. When Poe died, Griswold assumed a position as Poe's literary executor, though how this happened in and of itself is shrouded in mystery. Though, Poe's fiancée's sister may have played a role in selling her soon-to-be brother-in-law. Griswold wrote unflatteringly about Poe and his work, accusing him of all manners of bad behaviors, with his biography being the only one on the poet for years. However, Poe's words were prophetic, and when Griswold died just eight years later, his name exists now only as the nemesis of the far superior Edgar Allan Poe. Many believe Griswold may have played a role in the death of Poe. Was it jealousy or hate, competition or fate? The truth of that can't be for sure. But for Griswold, it's clear his hatred for Poe may have driven his fear, with Griswold's anger being dictated to unsavory characters who may have been paid 
to leave Edgar Poe incapacitated. The theories on what caused the death of one of America's greatest writers leaves much to the imagination. From cooping to alcohol, illness or flu, rabies or beating, brain tumors or poison, though the facts remain fleeting, there are some who consider murdering too. Poe was a brilliant and troubled man, had a life full of pain, loss, and devastation. Perhaps this gave his pen that much more power and drive. But what remains true over all these years is that Poe is the writer most associated with pain, darkness, and fear. From The Raven to Annabelle Lee, The Maelstrom and the Oblong Box to The Mask of Red Death and the Telltale Heart, from The System of Dr. Tar and Professor Feather and the curious pages of The Purloined Letter, there is little who question his method and skill, and to this very day, if the publications can show, there has never been a rival to Edgar Allan Poe. From childhood's hour I have not been as others were, I have not seen as others saw, I could not bring my passions from a common spring. From the same source I have not taken my sorrow, I could not awaken my heart to joy at the same tone, and all I loved, I loved alone. Then, in my childhood, in the dawn of a most stormy life, was drawn from every depth of good and ill the mystery which binds me still. From the torrent or the fountain, from the red cliff of the mountain, from the sun that round me rolled in its autumn tint of gold, from the lightning in the sky as it passed me flying by, from the thunder and the storm, and the cloud that took the form, when the rest of heaven was blue, of a demon in my view. Alone by Edgar Allan Poe, 1875 Is there something standing in the way of your happiness? Something that stops you from achieving your goals? I've been there more times than I'd like to admit feeling the weight of everything just crushing down on me. There's nothing wrong with admitting that you could use some help, and thankfully there's a great service available to you, BetterHelp. BetterHelp assesses your needs and provides you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can easily connect to a safe, secure, and private online environment to discuss the things that are weighing you down. BetterHelp isn't a crisis line, it's not self-help. It's professional counseling done conveniently and securely online. You can message your counselor anytime and receive thoughtful responses. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions right from the comfort of your own home. No uncomfortable waiting rooms. One thing I really love about BetterHelp is the affordability. It's less costly than traditional offline counseling, and they even offer financial aid. Find the help you need, not just what's offered by counselors close to home. BetterHelp provides licensed professional counselors who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, and so much more. Most importantly, with BetterHelp, everything you share is confidential and counseling is offered securely and conveniently. So many people are using BetterHelp that they've been recruiting additional counselors across all 50 states. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com trace. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash trace. I spend a lot of time trying to figure out all the angles of a case, and more often than not, 
I'm overwhelmed by how little we know or how few pieces we have. Off microphone, when I'm looking to take a break, relax, and relieve a little stress, I turn to a different kind of puzzle. Unidragon Wooden Puzzles. Unidragon Wooden Puzzles are a gift that connects us to nature while we're surrounded by devices, the internet, concrete, and steel. They're a stress reliever and make a great gift for the person who has everything. I love their colorful designs and memorable images of animals like tigers, wolves, unicorns, and pandas. My personal favorite is the fox. The beautiful art pieces are attractive and memorable for all ages. All of the parts have their own unique shape and are made with the highest quality. Laser cutting is used, all the parts perfectly fit each other, and they feel amazing. The wooden puzzle pieces are solid, strong, and smooth, and when you snap two together, you really feel like you're getting it done. Thanks to their precision cuts, there's no floppy edges or a need to smash them together. They interlock with the smoothness of a key into an oiled lock. If you love puzzles or know someone who does, you've got to give Unidragon a shot. Visit Unidragon.com and use promo code TRACE for 10% off your purchase. That's U-N-I-D-R-A-G-O-N.com with promo code TRACE to save 10% today. There's a lot of great fashions and styles out there, and with Poshmark, you don't need to break the bank to look like a million dollars. Did you know you can get Lululemon, Nike, Louis Vuitton, and more for up to 70% off? There's tons of lightly used or brand new items with tags on on Poshmark. Shop for your next event or vacation on Poshmark. Shipping is so fast and the app is really easy to use. I've been using Poshmark for the past year, and I've managed to grab some amazing clothes for way below what you'd normally expect to pay. Great outfits and amazing savings makes Poshmark my favorite shopping app. I really love how I can even find vintage clothing and styles that I used to love but aren't available in stores anymore. Listeners of Trace Evidence get $10 off your first purchase. Just enter the invite code TRACEEVIDENCE when you sign up. That's invite code TRACEEVIDENCE, no spaces, to save $10 off your first purchase today. So download the Poshmark app on Google Play and the Apple App Store and get shopping right now and save $10 off with invite code TRACEEVIDENCE. The death of Edgar Allan Poe is one of those mysteries that's so fascinating and so all-consuming that it's no wonder so many people are drawn into it. I don't remember when I first discovered Poe, probably somewhere in my teens. At the time, I wasn't a huge fan of poetry, and so it seemed silly to spend a lot of time on Poe. Of course, when I began digging into the short stories, I was captivated. When my interest in poetry grew, there was no way to really ignore Poe and I'm glad I didn't. While I can't say I love all of his poems, there are many that speak to me or are just fantastic reads. My favorite of his works is the poem Evening Star, so I'm just going to give it a quick read. Twas noontide of summer and midtime of night, and stars in their orbits shone pale through the light of the brighter cold moon mid-planets her slaves, herself in the heavens, her beam on the waves. I gazed a while on her cold smile, too cold, too cold for me. There passed as a shroud, a fleecy cloud, and I turned away to thee, 
proud evening star, in thy glory afar, and dearer thy beam shall be. For joy to my heart is the proudest part thou bearest in heaven at night, and more I admire thy distant fire than that colder, lowly light. I'm curious what work of Poe speaks to you, if indeed one does. Digging into the possible causes of Poe's death is pretty difficult to do. There's a ton of theories, but being that we know so little about the last week of his life, it's hard to pin down any one particular theory. In the interest of time and for the sake of my fingers, I'm going to combine some theories into one. For instance, physical ailments will be combined, and while they'll be independently addressed, I'm not going to write entire pages about the possibility of a flu versus that of a brain tumor. Hopefully, I'll be able to address the theory sufficiently, but I'm bound to miss things or not be able to include things just based on the plethora of information that's out there even if it's mostly based in speculation and theory. Before the theories, though, let's address a few things about Poe's life. Poe lived during the early to mid-1800s and died at the age of 40. General life expectancy for Poe's lifetime was between 25 and 40 years old, so while his death was tragic and the loss dramatic, he really didn't die too prematurely given the age that he lived in. Maybe it was his work, the fact that we don't really know what he could have done had he lived longer that makes his death all that much more tragic. Much like when a famous artist or musician dies, we can't help but believe we've lost out on not only the person, but the potential for more work which might have captivated us, or maybe a second renaissance where they could have created their best work. I do love Poe's work, I truly do, but it's important to separate the man from the art. While Poe was an incredible writer, he wasn't the greatest person. He had gambling problems, was probably an alcoholic by today's standards and maybe even in the standards of his own time. He married his 13-year-old cousin in secret and had a witness lie about it. He was rumored to have had affairs with married women and women while he was married. He often based his critiques of literary works less on the works themselves and more on his personal feelings towards the authors. It isn't hard to see why so many people consider the theory of murder. Poe definitely gave people the drive to want to get back at him. So, let's begin at the top. There are generally two possibilities considered when it comes to illnesses that could have caused Poe's death, at least inherent physical illnesses not caused by outside forces. One is the flu, the other is a brain tumor. Both have their merits, both have their contradictions. While today it's rather poignant to discuss the flu given what's happening in the world, back in the 1800s it would have been far worse. Treatments for the flu were rudimentary at best, and that's assuming Poe would even have sought treatment for it. We know that his doctor told him to take some time to rest and not travel in the days before he left, but Poe seemed to disregard that. We don't know what the doctor's reasons were, but a flu or flu-like symptoms certainly could have been a part of it. While today, in most cases, people are able to survive the regular flu or receive some form or fashion of treatment, a lot depends on their health prior to contracting the virus. If there's one thing we know for sure about Poe, he didn't take great care of himself. Between alcohol abuse and travel, Poe beat the hell out of his body. It's kind of shocking he made it to 40 at all. 
While many have cited Poe as being a heavy abuser of opium, his contemporaries argued against that, and there's only one instance of Poe even mentioning opium, and that was in the letter where he discussed an alleged suicide attempt. Chris Sempner, curator of the Poe Museum in Richmond, has some interesting thoughts about Poe's physical health in the days leading up to his death. According to Sempner, Poe's fiance was concerned about his travels. In an article in the Smithsonian Magazine, Sempner explained, quote, His last night in town, he was very sick, and his soon-to-be wife noted that he had a weak pulse, a fever, and she didn't think he should take the journey to Philadelphia. End quote. If this was true, then it's not difficult to imagine Poe could have been developing a flu, or maybe even had a flu, and his travels could not only have weakened his physical condition, but also... We've got to consider when he was traveling. October isn't generally a warm month, and Baltimore was rainy at the time. Poe certainly could have exacerbated his possible flu by going on a long journey. It isn't uncommon for a flu to lead to other ailments, especially at a time when treatment options were so limited. Some have argued that Poe could have developed pneumonia while in the hospital, which only could have hastened his death. As for Poe being found lying on the street, well, if he had passed out or become too weakened by the flu, that's surely a possibility. If he were drinking on top of that, who knows how much it could have impacted him. Maybe Poe's so-called delirium was more of a result of a growing fever than any other kind of sinister theory. Maybe, though, it's more about how a flu doesn't seem like an exciting enough death for the writer that causes so many to ignore it, but it's certainly a theory which just can't be ignored. Of course that leaves a ton of questions, though. Why was he wearing someone else's clothes and where did his money go, for starters? If it wasn't the flu, what about the possibility of a brain tumor? There are a lot of different kinds of brain tumors, somewhere between 120 and 130, and far too much detail to get into, but the general symptoms that could suggest a tumor are somewhat uniform. These symptoms include difficulty with balance, trouble speaking, even fever can be associated with a brain tumor in some cases. Now, we know Poe had a fever before he left, was found lying on the ground, and despite multiple attempts, he lacked the ability to directly answer questions or explain what had happened to him, how he came to be in the gutter, where his money was, and where he had been. Generally, around 80,000 brain tumors are diagnosed each year, with around 30% of them being malignant. As brain tumors develop, they can impact many different regions of the brain negatively, affecting memory, muscle control, sensation, and normal body functions. Since we don't know what Poe did in the week before he died, it's hard to know for sure if he developed any of those. All we know is how he was found and the moments of his final days. It's certainly not outside of the realm of possibility, and without any kind of testing or way of imaging in 1849, they'd really have no way of knowing what he was dealing with. Even if they had, if this was something that could have gone unignored and unnoticed for a long time, there'd be nothing they could do about it anyway. The first successful brain tumor removal wouldn't happen until 30 years after Poe died. If Poe had developed a brain tumor, more than likely his symptoms would have been misdiagnosed and the treatment he was given wouldn't have solved the problem anyway. Considering his use of alcohol, you may wonder how that could have affected a potential tumor. 
Even today, though, we don't fully have a grasp of how alcohol would impact brain tumors. We know that alcohol has carcinogenic effects. We know that alcohol is not great for the brain in general. But despite multiple studies, there doesn't seem to be any underlying connections. Studies have shown different results, and so it seems while Poe's alcohol use certainly didn't assist with his health, we couldn't be totally sure if it would have exacerbated a potential brain tumor either. The brain tumor angle is fascinating and has the possibility of being the culprit, but again, we just have no way of knowing for sure. Now, if we turn our attention to illnesses, which could have outside influences, there are three that are considered most likely. Rabies, heavy metal poisoning, and alcoholism. Beginning at the top, rabies was a fairly common thing in the 1800s. Rabies has been around forever, with it being noted in different languages including Sanskrit, Ancient Greek, and Latin. Interestingly, and perhaps horrifyingly, when rabies was first properly diagnosed as coming from the saliva of a rabid animal entering the bloodstream via bite, the initial treatment considered was to hold the victim under water. As you might imagine, many of them drowned. Rabies patients often develop hydrophobia, a fear of water, but this contradicts with Poe's case as we know he was drinking water in the hospital before he died. So, let's take a look at the symptoms for rabies. These include, but are not limited to, irritability, confusion, bizarre thoughts, hallucinations, weakness or paralysis, and muscle spasms and unusual posture. We know Poe's condition at the time was described as delirium, so it's not impossible to imagine this could have been hallucinations driven by rabies. No bite marks were found on Poe, but he could have been bitten and healed by the time it truly began to affect him. The incubation period for rabies is generally two to eight weeks, but in some cases it's taken as long as ten years or as short as two days. Had Poe been bitten previously, it's not entirely out of the possibility that it could have taken effect later, and he was in no condition to confirm whether or not he'd been bitten at any time. There are two standard treatments for rabies, which were not available in 1849 those being the administration of rabies immune globulin or receiving the rabies vaccination. Interestingly, in 1996, a doctor at a conference was given a fake name for a patient and the symptoms that patient was exhibiting. While the doctor didn't know it, he was diagnosing Edgar Allan Poe. Ultimately, he came to the conclusion that the subject had died of untreated rabies. This was the first time a doctor ever examined Poe without having formed an opinion beforehand and without knowledge beforehand. Keeping the subject's name secret certainly made it more likely to receive a proper diagnosis. If indeed Poe did die of rabies, this would explain many of his symptoms. Outside of the absence of a fear of water, Poe fits the bill of rabies pretty well. In fact, we don't know for sure whether or not he drank water in the hospital or was forced to, and in a delirium state, he may not have even known what was happening. Certainly a possibility, but the only way to confirm this would be through DNA testing. Moving on to heavy metal poisoning, there's really only one heavy metal which fits Poe's symptoms, mercury. The symptoms of mercury poisoning include hearing and speech difficulties, lack of coordination, muscle weakness, and trouble walking. 
We do know that in 1999, a public health researcher believed Poe's death could have been caused by carbon monoxide poisoning, so he conducted a test using clippings of Poe's hair. The results were inconclusive in regard to carbon monoxide, but he did find there were elevated levels of mercury in Poe's system. If you're wondering how Poe could have gotten so much mercury into his body, that's actually the result of medical treatment. In July of 1849, three months before his death, Poe had been in Philadelphia during a cholera outbreak. In treatment for this, Poe was given calomel, or what we know today as mercury chloride. There's also the possibility that Poe could have been exposed to mercury due to the prevalence of coal gas used at the time for indoor lighting. Indeed, if Poe had been exposed to mercury, he certainly could have succumbed to it and the delirium he experienced would not be outside of the realm of possibility. There's also a chance that, aside from being exposed to mercury, Poe could have had an allergy to it which would have made the exposure even worse. Mercury can have a dramatic and damaging effect on both the neurological system as well as the cardiovascular system. Had Poe been exposed, by the time anyone realized, it likely would have been too late, especially given the crude medical practices at the time. Beyond the previously mentioned exposure, there's also the consumption of seafood, which, if ingested in large quantities, can lead to mercury poisoning. In addition to that, dentists first began performing fillings with mercury amalgam in 1826, so, if Poe had been going to a dentist for any issues, this too could have caused it to expand. While today, mercury represents approximately 20% of the amalgam, back then it was much a higher percentage and wasn't really addressed until 1840. But within the nine years after that, we have no way of knowing how many dentists would have changed their approach, and the supervision of what dentists were doing back then is nowhere near what it is today. So if we examine that all, side by side, we have to consider that Poe could have experienced untreated mercury poisoning leading to death, or opening him up to further complications that could have been able to attack his body. This leaves us with alcohol. Poe was a drinker, a big drinker, and he had been from a young age. Between his gambling and drinking problems, he did a pretty good job of damaging his reputation without the assistance of Griswold. But Maybe he wasn't as big of a drinker as you think. Now, something you may not know is that while Poe drank, he may have had an underlying hereditary issue which caused him to process alcohol poorly. Researchers have found that a single glass of wine was enough to leave him staggering around drunk. His sister had the same reaction to it, suggesting that this was something which ran in the family. Poe did struggle with alcoholism in his life, that's undeniable. However, he may not have consumed it in the volumes we've been led to believe. With the possibility of this underlying condition, were Poe to drink to excess, he could have easily been putting himself at risk. In fact, Poe had become gravely ill due to alcohol consumption and, after recovering, was told by his doctor that he needed to avoid drinking because the next time, he might not survive. In response, Poe tried to kick the habit, and while sad, his doctor even stated that Poe might be able to make it if not for the influence of others. It seemed clear that while Poe struggled enough to not drink, it didn't take a whole lot for him to give in, and the offer of a few free drinks might have been enough to pushing off the ledge. 
A lot of the discussion of Poe's drinking comes from two sources. His close friend, J.P. Kennedy, who referred to Poe's death as being due to a drinking binge, and Joseph Snodgrass, who was a member of the temperance movement and used Poe's death as a way to try and convince others not to drink. Of course, the problem with this is that it does little to explain the mystery around Poe's death. If heavy drinking could have killed him, how does that answer where he was in the days before he was found, why he was wearing someone else's clothes, why his money was gone? It doesn't answer any of those. Unless, of course, Poe had been drinking, then was mugged and left for dead. That is certainly a possibility. Long-term alcohol abuse can negatively impact the brain, liver, heart, kidneys, pancreas, and stomach. Alcohol can certainly cause brain issues, which can lead to problems with speech, physical functionality, and both acute alcohol intoxication and withdrawal from alcohol can cause delirium tremens, also known as the DTs, which can cause hallucinations, confusion, shaking, irregular heartbeat, and physical tremors as a result. Interestingly, Body temperature can also rise, which could be related to the fever Poe apparently had before he went on his final trip. There's also alcoholic hallucinosis. While alcoholic hallucinosis is less severe than the DTs, it can manifest in similar ways. Also, hallucinosis can show up 24 to 48 hours after alcohol consumption, meaning that Poe could have been drinking as much as two days prior to being found. Being that we don't know where Poe was in those days, it's not impossible to imagine he could have been throwing a few back, or quite a few. At that time, and even today, it wasn't uncommon for someone to take advantage of a drunk person, which could have included the theft of his money and clothes. Maybe Poe found clothes in a dumpster, maybe someone took his clothes and left their own behind. It's difficult to say. While alcohol certainly could have been the culprit here, it also leaves many unanswered questions. Frankly, I think all these theories are going to have room for debate, but many have attributed Poe's death to alcoholism. I think that's a strong possibility, especially with his underlying condition, but again, we lack evidence. For whatever reason next to murder, this is the theory most commonly attributed to his death. It could, however, have been a combination of multiple problems— from alcohol and a brain tumor to the flu and mercury poisoning. This does, though, wrap up the physical ailments associated with outside influence. We move now into the final stretch, addressing what many consider the three most likely culprits, that Poe died as the result of being beaten, being the subject of cooping, or of outright murder. In terms of a beating, that's a possibility across the board. Poe flashes some cash, someone wants to beat him and take it. Maybe Poe tries to fight back. Maybe things get out of hand. Maybe Poe just made someone angry. Maybe it wasn't even about the money and he just came across the wrong person. Hell, maybe it was someone who knew Poe or knew of him and just hated him. Now, assuming Poe was beaten badly, we could be looking at something like a TBI or traumatic brain injury. A TBI could result in the loss of consciousness, problems with speech and dizziness or loss of balance, among other things. So it's possible Poe could have been beaten violently, and when he was found, he was suffering from a TBI or direct and violent brain damage. However, there's a problem with this theory. Poe wasn't reported to have been all bruised and busted up. There's no notes about him arriving at the hospital and looking like someone beat the hell out of him, and it's unlikely he was beaten severely long enough ago 
that he healed from it, and it wasn't until later that the TBI presented itself. We have no reported accounts of Poe ever getting beaten, and to me, that sort of throws this one out the window. While medical training wasn't quite what it was today, I find it extremely hard to believe that a doctor who was desperately trying to figure out what the hell happened wouldn't have noticed Poe's face being all busted up. Maybe Poe had experienced head trauma at different times in his life, a fall, a minor fight, something that could have resulted in concussions which later developed into CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, or even post-concussion syndrome. The fact is, we don't have enough details to know. Poe didn't write about his head injuries, he didn't write about having fallen down and banged his head, and there were no signs that he'd been violently beaten prior to his death. There have been various accounts that Poe had hit a woman and so he was beaten, or that he ran into friends from West Point and after drinking with them he got into a violent fight, but again, there doesn't seem to be anything to support that. While beating is certainly an interesting theory, it may be the one for which we have the least amount of evidence to support it. That brings us on to Cooping. Cooping was a brutal process in which gangs of individuals working for politicians would grab people off the streets, hold them in a room, referred to as a coop, where they could be given alcohol, drugs, or outright beaten to force them to go to multiple polling stations or the same ones over and over to vote for a particular candidate. This is actually represented pretty well in the movie Gangs of New York, if you haven't seen it. In many of these cases, the people who were captured would be given different clothes to wear, fake mustaches and hats, so that their election fraud would be more difficult to notice. Sometimes they were even given alcohol as a reward for helping out, but we know in Poe's case, alcohol could have caused major problems for him. There were also cooping gangs that were used to trick people into enlisting in the military, but in Poe's case, this seems a little less likely. He had a military history and was getting a little long in the tooth for that. The Civil War wasn't raging yet, so I doubt the urgency for men in the military was at a big high. Plus, in that time, Many men enlisted if for no other reason than to improve their station in life. So, if Poe did become a victim of cooping, it would explain him entering delirium as a result of being forced to drink, and could also explain him wearing clothes that didn't belong to him. Beyond that, Poe was found outside of a polling location that was known to have been used by coopers. This is probably one of the most likely scenarios in regard to Poe's death. He's out on the streets, he gets grabbed, he's given alcohol, maybe bullied into drinking with violence, and he's dragged around to poll after poll, maybe given alcohol between each one, and either before or after arriving in the area he was found, he starts to experience the results of the alcohol hitting him hard, and the Coopers simply leave him behind on the street, caring little for what eventually happens to him. Poe was recognizable to some but it seems unlikely that thugs operating cooping groups were super into reading fine literature. Also, if Poe were traveling with a large sum of money, well, that's just a bonus for the Coopers, isn't it? Finally, we come to murder, which could encompass each of the previous discussions of beating and cooping, or it could have been the result of something much more sinister. Poe had a lot of enemies, Poe had a lot of people who were looking to discredit him, harm him, or even kill him. Obviously, Griswold may have been at the top of many people's lists, but we have little evidence to connect that. Sure, Griswold hated his rival, but Poe hadn't exactly made a lot of friends with his work as a critic. 
In fact, in speaking tours, Poe often spoke negatively about other writers and publishers. His list of enemies was probably pretty long, from those who felt attacked by him to others who were simply overwhelmed with jealousy, whether that was related to his writing or his personal life. We know the conductor of the train said he saw men following Poe, but this is an account which can't be fully verified. Also, when it comes to murder, it becomes a question of how exactly it would have been conducted. You'd imagine that a murder in 1849 would have involved a severe beating, a firearm, or a stabbing, and yet Poe had neither been stabbed, shot, or did he show signs that he'd been violently beaten. It seems highly unlikely that someone would have thought to kill Poe by giving him excessive amounts of alcohol, nor does it seem likely that he'd have been drugged. Now, whether or not he was poisoned is another matter entirely, but we have no evidence about that either. Honestly, I think the murder consideration is something people give because most of the other theories seem inferior to Poe. People like a mystery. People want something more to be happening. They want Poe's death to be the result of something devious and sinister far more than they want it to be the result of poisoning or sickness. There's an interesting theory that revolves around Poe's fiancé's family, though, one which I think is worth exploring for a minute. Allegedly, Poe's fiancé, Sarah, had a family who did not want Poe to marry her. For whatever reason, perhaps his reputation, maybe something else, this was an action they wanted to put an end to. In his book, Midnight Dreary, The Death of Edgar Allan Poe, Author John Evangelist argues that Poe may have arrived in Philadelphia as planned, at which time he was confronted by Sarah's brothers. While he doesn't argue that the brothers killed Poe, he does present a scenario in which Poe was threatened and so frightened by Sarah's brothers that he changed his clothes to avoid their detection and fled Philadelphia, heading to Baltimore. Now, that's an interesting theory, but there's a problem with it. Pretty much no literary scholar buys into it. The fact is, we have no evidence to support Sarah's brothers not liking Poe or wanting to stop him from marrying their sister. Why would they? The guy was famous, had the potential to make a lot of money to provide for Sarah, and they were more likely to get their hands on some money if he stayed alive. If this had happened after Poe married Sarah, then it might be a more interesting theory, but in this case, it may be yet another stretch of trying to convince people that Poe was murdered for the sake of intrigue rather than accuracy. The death of Edgar Allan Poe is fascinating, mysterious, and strange, but it will likely never be fully understood. We know so little about the days before his death. We depend almost entirely on the account of his doctor who surely could have mistaken his symptoms for any number of illnesses or physical issues. In a way, Poe's death is really something subject to the person examining it. While some seek the more dramatic theories, others stick to the more grounded theories. All that we can really say is that Poe's loss robbed us of what could have been a vastly more expansive collection of works which would be read, enjoyed, and studied today just as many of his other works have been. Edgar Allan Poe was an incredible writer, a talented poet, and a man shrouded in mystery and pain. Perhaps, indeed, Poe's legacy will always be about trying to solve the mystery rather than trying to understand the man. I mean, he did create the modern detective story, so perhaps this is as fitting a legacy as any.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you're interested in learning more about the death of Edgar Allan Poe, you can pretty much just type his name into any search engine or pick up any book about his life, and you're going to find a million different theories about it out there. What I'm interested in is, what are your theories? What do you believe happened to Edgar Allan Poe? I had a lot of fun writing this episode specifically because I've been interested in Poe for a really long time, and the mystery around his death has always been really fascinating, so I really got a kick out of doing it, and I hope that you guys really enjoyed it as well. Trace evidence would not be possible without support from amazing listeners like you. And now I'd like to take a moment to thank our fantastic Patreon producers. Alicia Lorraine. Anne Bertram. Aurora Kay. Bacon Bits the Cat. Brittany Bivens. Christine Greco. Krista Colvin. Dave Allen. Denise Dingsdale. Diane Dyson. Eric Sumter, Guillerme Pinto, Heather Louise, James, Jen Treb, Jennifer Winkler, Joni Berkwitz, Kara Moreland, Marla Wright, Melissa Brakizen, Nick Mohar Schurz, Orange Patches, Quinn McBreen, Roberta Jansen, Sarah Levonen, Sarah Mascaratolo, Sarah Lyons, Travis Skepko, Stephanie Joyner, Stephanie Eve, Tom Archer, Tom Radford, Tracy Woods, and Walter Jansen. Your contributions to Trace Evidence are invaluable, and your support of the show is both appreciated and extremely humbling. If you're interested in supporting Trace Evidence and gaining access to exclusive merch and ad-free episodes, please visit patreon.com slash traceevidence or go to trace-evidence.com and click on the support option. That's going to conclude this week's episode. If you haven't already, please consider rating the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Five stars would be greatly appreciated, but it's up to you. Share these episodes, spread the word, and maybe together we can help bring justice to those who have been deprived of it. Thank you all once again for listening, supporting the show, and for being the best listeners a podcaster could ask for. Thank you all again so much for listening to this week's episode. 
We'll be back to the normal schedule next week and hopefully my voice. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Voice will be back to normal as well. So thanks again. And I hope you'll join me next week for another unsolved case on the next episode of Trace Evidence.